Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. One of my good friends in sports media, Orlando Sanchez, KGW, sports anchor, reporter, does a fantastic job. You can catch him on KGW and KGW Sports Sunday. He was out today at the Adidas headquarters. Let's start with that. Orlando, welcome. Yes, thanks for having me, John. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, give me an idea. What are you What are you doing at Adidas headquarters? Yeah, I, I, my eyebrows kind of raised uh, when, when we got when we got the email that they were throwing a little party for. Damian Lillard and I said, "Wait, hold up, what?" So yeah, we uh, we went down to Adidas headquarters today in, in North Portland, and uh, basically what they were doing was they have a basketball court, a gym on the campus of the Adidas headquarters, and they named it after Damian Lillard. Uh, they knew he was going to be in town and wanted to celebrate his greatness, and uh, he, he he pulled up family in tow, and, and it was kind of just a, a big celebration of, of the relationship that Damian Lillard has with Adidas. And I guess what also made it a really big deal for Adidas is that it's the first time in their, you know, 75-year history there that they've named a place after an athlete that they've, that they've had. You know, you'll hear about other other brands, you know, like Nike headquarters, how, you know, they've got different buildings that are named after different athletes. But this is the first time that Adidas has done that. And so I think that just added a little more to it. And Dame, he, he talked and addressed all the employees and folks that, that were invited to the party, uh, you know, mentioned how it, it was special to him and it, it showed the relationship and the value that, that they have in him and, and all of that good stuff. So it was, it was cool. It was, it was really cool um, for a lot of people to just celebrate Dame. And, you know, obviously for us that have talked to Dame for, you know, the eight or ten years that he was he was here in, in Portland, um, you know, it's kind of like old times again because he did a, a address the media for, for a few minutes uh, while he was out there. Give me an idea because I think fans have a relationship with Lillard, but – you were one of those guys that showed up, you interviewed him a lot, you were at games. What was it like, or what kind of emotions did you have seeing him again after, you know, seeing him from a distance this season? You know, it's, it, it was unique. I mean, especially, I think, the first game in Milwaukee, he, he hits the buzzer beater, and I was kind of joking about it on one of my sports casts. It was like the Wolverine meme, you know, where he's lamenting and thinking back at the, the good old times they had holding the picture frame. And, you know, Rip City is just looking at that old Damian Lillard picture that, that they had or poster. It, 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 was, it was like that for, I think, a lot of Trailblazers fans. And it, it is definitely weird as, as, you know, when you go to a Blazers game or you're covering the Blazers, you automatically know, like, post-game, good, bad, whatever happens, you're more than likely – going to talk to Dame and you're going to have a question or two for him. So it was just one of those givens and not having that for trailblazers games. Now this year, or just seeing uh, the face of the franchise has, has definitely took a while to, to get used to. I mean, now it is what it is, but for the longest time it was, it was just getting used to that because it was so automatic. Uh, but yeah, like seeing him today, uh, 
out there and stuff. It was, it was cool. It wasn't like, you know, some people were thinking, oh, it's going to be like when you see your, your ex-girlfriend or something for the first time, you run into them at the grocery store or whatever, and it's awkward. And it wasn't like that. And I think part of that is credit to him because, you know, he really just mentioned how good it felt to be back and to be how he's looking forward to being in the building at the Moda Center and being home and mentioning family. Um, it kind of just felt like old times again. Orlando, you know, I want to – sports is all about highs and lows, high highs, <laughs> sometimes low lows. When I mentioned Damian Lillard, give me your high and your low when it came to his time in Portland. Oh, man. I mean, the the high, is, I think, would be Oklahoma City and uh, the shot, the bad shot over Paul George waving goodbye <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, uh, being up in the, the media section down there. And um, when he hit the shot, it was like time paused and the celebration did not end. People didn't just walk out of the gym like most games. Everyone wanted to just stay and soak it in. And, you know, I remember us even going live courtside right after it happened. And there were still so many people. And normally when we do our live shots, the gym is empty, you know, like there's, there's, there's some confetti on the floor and that's about it, but no one wanted to go home. And I don't think I've, it, it's usually reserved for championships where you have that kind of vibe where people are hanging out and, uh, you know, talking about where they were, or what they were doing, what they saw, their angle, their video, all of that good stuff. So that one was easy, man. And I, I think I'll carry that moment just in general and covering sports for a long time. And I, I think the, the low for me was, was just how long the the breakup was carrying on throughout the summer. Um, I got a chance to go to summer league this year for the first time, and seeing fans go through it, I think uh, puts it into perspective. You know, where they're just so bummed out, and I would say just the breakup and how long it, it went the summer, and like you kind of knew it was coming, it was inevitable, but it hadn't happened yet, and then it finally did. So I'd say that. Blazers game tomorrow night against the Bucks. I expected, you know, maybe this is a bigger statement about the Blazers season, but I expected that the tickets would be a really hot ticket. And yet, you know, I'm looking online right now and looks like there's a lot of tickets available and you can get into the arena around for around 50 bucks. Like I I thought it would be a lot higher t- hotter ticket is you know, is it that bad at the arena? Is it that people go, hey, I don't know, it's going to be painful to see Dame? What do you make of that? I wonder, too, because I kind of thought the same thing. And when we were producing our show for Sports Sunday, our producer, Craig, he had kind of put it in there as, let's let's, let's do the, the ticket story. Let's see how much it's going to cost and all that good stuff. And as we were looking, I'm like, oh, man, like, you can get in the door at 300, 300 level for, you know, 50, 60 bucks and throw in a, a few extra bucks for the fees or whatever. Um, that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought it would be an automatic sellout, but I think it it will be. It'll be the, the you know the the only true sellout where you know mm-hmm. it's it's the one that everybody was looking forward to. And even the team, like if if you follow the team on on you know Instagram or whatever, like you're seeing the ads that have been coming up for a week, and they're not talking about see the Blazers face the Bucks. It's welcome back, Damian Lillard. You know, which yeah. I thought was pretty unique and different. But yeah, I was I was a little surprised at, at where we're where they're at, but I do think it. by the time game day rolls around, people are going to pull up. They're going to – there's going to be a sense of FOMO. Like, I, as much as some fans might be, you know, going through their feelings, I think they want to be a part of it. Orlando Sanchez, KGW, is our guest. 
Uh, you'll be covering all of that, of course. A uh, little bit of news today on the Portland Diamond Project front. They're preparing an offer to buy the Red Tail property from the city of Portland, uh, which, you know, technically it's annexed into Beaverton, but the city of Portland owns it. Um, could be a traffic nightmare out there, but your initial reaction when you heard that? Yeah, uh, I kind of said, whoa, and my eyebrows raised when I saw your report uh, just drop, I don't know, an hour or two ago. And I think my initial reaction was, oh, great, there's a plan. Like, we know a little more about what's going to happen because that's really been the hold of it. Well, it could be this location. It could be that location. This would be cool. There were just a lot of ideas with not a real specific plan that we knew about. I mean, the Diamond Project, I'm sure, has their contingency plans and everything in place. But for us, it was like, okay, here's something that we know we can we can kind of identify as, okay, this is the way the route that they're going. So that was like the main thing. And then when I really started to let that soak in, I said, what's that area like? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the part where we get stuck in traffic. Or we're trying to figure out where the heck we're at because there's so much construction and we're trying to get off the exit. So that would be my, my big concern. Look forward to hearing details on that is how, how do you how do you make that work? You know, if you've got 20, 30, whatever thousand people trying to get in and out of that area, that's going to be a, a, a real challenge. But end of the day, you know, the opportunity to get Major League Baseball to, to have a shot at it um, is, is huge. And as a sportscaster in this area, you know, we we want all the sports we can get, you know. So uh, it's, I, I think there's some reservations, as, as I think most of, most people would say, is like, we've heard this before, or I'm not getting yes. my hopes up, things like that. You know, you don't you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves, but – Hey, their their job is to be ready, and now there's a plan. And if you build it, they say they will come. So let's see what happens. Orlando Sanchez, uh, KGW. All right, uh, bigger picture. You mentioned, you know, as a sports person, you want all the things you can get. Um, you know, there's a football program at Oregon that had a nice season. Oregon State is in transition, of course, with Trent Bray as a new coach. Um, looking ahead, what is it going to feel like next college football season? with Oregon and Oregon State playing in different conferences, but playing each other still? Oh, it's going to be so weird, man. It's going to be so weird. I even I was even trying to, to really, when we were in Vegas covering the Pac-12 championship, you know, the final rivalry game, like I was trying to, to take a mental note. Like this is the last time you're going to see the Pac-12 logo here in Eugene. This is the last time you're going to see the Ducks with that Pac-12 logo. Like, so – I, I think it's going to be odd. And then just the rivalry game being in the, you know, in the middle of the season or early in the season, like that's going to be weird. It's kind of reminiscent of what the pandemic days were like when, you know, they were just scheduling the games that they could at weird times. And I think the the Ducks and Beavers played um, in the middle of that pandemic season. So it's, it's going to be different, man. Like uh, it's going to, it's going to take a while. The, the, the change that's happening and the, the new opponents that they're, that they're going to face the places that they're going it's, it's going to be different, man. It really is. Yeah, and I think I'm excited to see it. I'm also excited to see some new matchups for the Ducks in the Big Ten. Um, and I'm curious to see how Oregon State will punch back, you know, playing that schedule that they're going to play. Can they and Washington State, you know, can they punch their way into the playoff and an expanded playoff? And, you know, I, I don't know, Orlando. I'm, a, I'm still a sports fan in my heart. I'm struggling <laughs> a little bit with the transfer portal, NIL, the jumping around of players. Um, you know, we see this week that, you know, a defensive back from Washington ends up uh, 
ends up jumping over to the Ducks. The Washington fans, uh, Jabbar Muhammad is going to be a Duck. Washington fans are calling it the ultimate betrayal, but I'm go- I'm looking at Muhammad and I'm going, he just his he just did what his coach did. His coach left Washington for Alabama. Like, what do you make of that kind of move and the reaction of fans? I think back to the way that Coach Lanning handled the whole Alabama stuff and him saying, look, if you're worried about your coach leaving, just come here. You don't have to worry about that here. You like stability. You know what you're getting here. You don't have to worry about your coach leaving. Like, that's what I go back to and how they handled it. Because even for my job, I've been, I've held, I've had, I've been a little reserved in what we cover in terms of commitments uh, to schools or, or transfer portal stuff, because it changes all the time now. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, back in my day, <laughs> a few years ago, it was like once they committed, you knew that that athlete was going there and, and they were a lock to be a duck, beaver, whatever. And now, you know, things change day to day, week to week. And so, yeah, but I, I think back to how Dan Lanning handled the Alabama stuff, man, in, in this recruiting world. Like you've got to take every opportunity you can to, to use it as a recruiting tool, to use it as, um, you know, marketing. And they, they knocked it out of the park with that, man. Yeah, and I think – you know, they even if he never really was a candidate at Alabama, they certainly took exactly. advantage of that. They you got to yeah. win there. Uh, I don't want to leave Portland State out. Big week in basketball. They had a game in which they were down by double digits with five minutes to go, down by eight with a minute to go. Jace Coburn's team comes back and beats uh, Montana State, wins that game. Um, you know, there's some good things going on at Portland State. I saw, you know, also the football program tweeting out that Ann Cudd, the president, was part of a recruiting <laughs> visit. What do you make of the park blocks in Portland State? They're right there by your KGW headquarters. Are they registering with you? The, yeah, they are. I, I, I definitely make um, an effort to get out there because they're so close. So even if they've got a, a home game on a, you know, a Thursday or Wednesday, women's game, men's game, I get out there. I, I want to see what they're doing. I want to see what they're all about. And, and like you mentioned, the, the school president, I thought that was a huge move, that viral video that they had that they put together with her, you know, lifting and, and, and uh, being around the football team because that sent a message that, hey, look, I know, I know they're there. I, I, want, I want to be a part of this. I, I thought that was huge in, in at least making a statement without actually having to say it. And that – could go a long way, even from a recruiting standpoint and an athlete standpoint, a coaching standpoint. But, yeah, like you mentioned Coach Coburn, uh, man, he has to be one of the most intense coaches to watch. If you ever go to a Portland State men's basketball game and you see him on the sidelines, he is intense. Like, the energy that that guy has, it's impressive. And uh, I'm not surprised that they have, you know, these dramatic comeback wins because he doesn't quit on his team. And, that passion that he has, I think, um, I think the players feed off of it. And, you know, to, to be down, I think it was like eight or nine with a minute to go. And uh, to end up winning by three or four is just, it's insane. 11-0 run on strict city night. It was really neat. Pretty, pretty special game. And so they're doing some cool stuff out there on the park blocks. And they're definitely on my radar. Orlando Sanchez, KGW. You can find him on KGW during the week and sports Sundays on Sunday evening. Orlando, thank you, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Have a great week. Hey, appreciate you having me on the show, John. Take care, man. You bet. There he goes. Fresh off the court being dedicated.
I don't think it'll be like seeing your ex, seeing Damian Lillard in a Bucks uniform. I kind of think that Blazer fans probably got over that, just like seeing him in the preseason, seeing him on opening night in a Milwaukee uniform. Like, it was weird to kind of see Damian Lillard in that uniform. But I don't think that Blazer fans are going to have that shock on game night. I think they kind of got past it. I just kind of wonder if the pain of not seeing him in a Blazers uniform will keep people away. It appears the ticket prices to this point, um, you know, it, it doesn't appear that it's like the hottest ticket that we've ever seen for a Blazer game. And, and in fact, you know, uh, the the premium seats that were originally posted on StubHub at like ridiculous prices, $5,000 for the center court seats, those same seats are down to 1100 now. And there's plenty of availability. So if you want to go see the Blazers on Wednesday, Wednesday night, you can see them. Or you can just close your eyes when the Blazers are on offense and focus yourself on uh, the Milwaukee Bucks side of the court when they're on offense if you're there to see Damian Lillard. There's an easy fix there. All right, Punch It Audio is coming up. We have great sound. What, 5 o'clock hour. Steven's going to do the 5 at 5. And then it will be Ryan Gunderson, the offensive coordinator at Oregon State. He's the new guy. We've known him for a while. Gundy played quarterback at Oregon State. He is back as the offensive coordinator. We're going to take a deep dive and have a conversation about the transition. The offensive coordinator job, he worked for Chip Kelly last couple of years. Gunderson, what will his offense look like at Oregon State? I'll ask him all of that good stuff coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Leave it here. Good stuff from Orlando Sanchez, KGW. Really, really... uh... Interesting to kind of get an outside-in perspective, certainly from somebody who's covered the Blazers on a regular basis, and uh, Damian Lillard back in Portland tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe it's not a big deal to our listeners. I don't know. I I, I thought it would be a little bigger deal. I did. i got to be honest with you. Do you think maybe it'll be a bigger deal tomorrow, like day of the game? Um. Yeah. I think the media is going to make it a big deal. Like, I saw a headline today. I gotta be honest that I, 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 I just didn't get. It said that Damian Lillard, Portland's favorite son, is coming back. I'm not gonna name the outlet because I don't think it's fair to pick on headline writers. I know a few, but to me, favorite son would be somebody that like originated in Portland, like grew up in Portland, like. Who is Portland's favorite son? You know, when it comes to a uh, perspective, like Bill Walton's not a son of Portland. Damian Lillard grew up in the Bay Area. Like, I don't, I don't understand the favorite son part of that. And and I think there's going to be a whole bunch of people who take the drama, um, take the drama too far. And I think that's a case of the drama going too far. Like he he's not a favorite son of Portland. Like you know, you could argue. Peyton Pritchard could be one of the in the conversation for favorite sons. Damon Stoudemire, favorite son. Like uh, when you think about athletes who grew up in Portland, Joey Harrington, favorite son. Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Um, like let's just talk state of Oregon. State of Oregon's favorite son when it comes to sports. The nominees are Steve Prefontaine, Troy Palomalu, Phil Knight, Kevin Love. Danny Ainge, Ashton Eaton, A.C. A. Green, maybe. I don't know. Who's the, who's the favorite son? Terry Baker. Um, you know, I, it, Bob Lilly. Uh, 
it there are some favorite Mel Renfro. There are some favorite sons. Harold Reynolds. Galen Rupp. Galen Rupp. Bob McKittrick from Baker. Like I you know, I just I'm left thinking about like favorite son. It's gotta be somebody who's from here. Like that's what a son is. And so I um I don't get it. Derek Anderson, pre uh I'm just going back. I'm just racking my brain right Troy now. Troy Palomalu. Yeah. Mentioned him, yeah. I think he's in it. Uh, Kellen Clemens, you know, I, uh, if we're going to do the top 50 favorite sons. Dick Fosbury, Jacoby Ellsbury. You know, um, I, I'm just thinking favorite son. Like Danny Ainge might be the best all-around athlete yeah. that has ever come from the state. But I'm Dave Johnson. Remember Dave and Dan and Dave in the commercials for Reebok or in the run-up to the 92 Olympics? Um, Bill Johnson, downhill skier. Um there are a lot of favorite sons that we could talk about. Pat Casey, favorite one of the favorite sons, you know. But Damian Lillard's not a favorite son. Like, I don't understand that. Like, you know, the Bay Area is going, hey, wait a minute. You know, like, that's our child. We need a DNA test over here to see who uh, Damian Lillard belongs to. But isn't that part <laughs> Damian Lillard playing into it? Because he even had, you know, Orlando came on and said he talked to the media. I believe in one of his quotes he said, like, this is home. Like, that's what he said. And so, yeah, like, he kind of plays into it a little bit. It is home, except, uh, you know, his neighbors will tell you he isn't living there anymore. <laughs> so he's in Milwaukee. And he wanted to be in Miami. And so there's that. All right. Uh, I have control of the system, Stephen. Mm, okay. Let's do some, uh, let's do some punch it audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baldfish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Oh, I love this cut from Jamal Crawford, former Blazer, former Clipper, former fill-in an NBA team. Jamal Crawford um, was t- asked about the individual scoring in the league and why we're seeing some spikes in the scoring. I have my theory. It's a copycat league, but here's Jamal Crawford. He's asked about the spikes in scoring, and Dan Patrick asked him, is Kobe's 81-point output a safe mark? Punch it. I-, I think it's bad for the game that it's happening this often. Okay, uh, If it was, you know... An anomaly and happen once a year, it would be something to, to really be revered. Now it's happening so often, you don't know when it's going to happen. I'm not sure how good that is for the game to happen this often. So you think Kobe's 81 is safe? I think it's safe. I hope it's safe because that 81 <laughs> was against it was against the zone, it was against three defenders. It, go back and look at the spacing and, and how tough those those makes were on the 81 point night. And yeah, we we need to appreciate that for sure. I don't know if we could ever straight face say that the looks were tough on an 81-point night. But what he's saying, though, John, is that the defense is terrible now. And I yeah. that is – you kind of talked about that. Like, our defense is really locking in to when one player gets hot. I think Jamal's touched on it. Like, he doesn't think they do. Like, that game is when Kobe went – like, they were going at him is what he's saying. Yeah, it, and I agree. To, I agree that – but I think sometimes older players think that as well. But I just think right now there's – I think it's two factors. I think the defense isn't good, and I think there is a I'll let you get yours, you let me get mine mentality that permeates sometimes in the NBA. And it becomes less about competition in pride. 
I mean, I just can't imagine anybody with a semblance of personal pride was okay with Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, or Joel Embiid getting 60 plus 70 in a game. Like, where's like the personal pride element of the defenders in those games? Is it good for the game of basketball? That no, happens? no, no. It's WWE. It, it makes it look more like entertainment than sport to me. Staying in the NBA, Ramona Shelburne talking about the trade deadline. NBA trade deadline approaching. She does not think the Warriors are going to be a buyer or a seller unless Steph Curry signs off on it. Punch it. I actually think that that game was very encouraging for the Warriors. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll stand on that, that I don't think anything happens in Golden State without Steph Curry. You know, I don't know if he says it, if he says it directly with a wink or a nod through his agent, whatever it is, but they're not going to make any moves to that core and break up that, that dynastic team unless he's on board with that idea. And same goes for every NBA team with a star, like a true star. You know, nothing happened with the Blazers on Damian Lillard's watch without Lillard knowing it. Be sure of it. Because the general manager and the coach and the franchise, they live in fear of star players and the power they wield with their contracts. And I think that's the reality. Trade deadline is February 8th this year. It's noon Pacific time. Will the Blazers make moves? They control multiple draft picks. If they want to get better, they can. If they want to get younger, they'll just sit around and wait for the draft. But, John, with the Warriors 19-24 and 24 in the season, they're two and a half games back from the play-in tournament. It has been bad. We talked about the Draymond Green thing. Shouldn't the Warriors just say... I don't really, I mean, Steph Curry, I know you're awesome. You're the face of the franchise. We need to get off some of these contracts. We need to get off some of these players, even if you want it or not. They're Because um, they're not they're a great team right now. They're old and expensive. And then Blazer fans should be happy because if the Warriors do not finish, um, you know, you don't want them to have, like, the worst record in the NBA, but, like, sixth worst, seventh worst would not be bad for the Blazers as they would get the Warriors pick in the upcoming draft. Uh, LeBron James did some talking uh, after the game. Jared Vanderbilt was ejected in the Lakers games after an incident with Dylan Brooks. LeBron asked about Dylan Brooks, refused to talk about Dylan Brooks. Punch it. Vando uh, obviously got the ejection tonight. You've had, you know, Dylan Brooks has had his issues uh, coming after you in certain ways. You Tonight, again, you got hit, regained composure. How do you deal with that? How do you kind of talk to Vando about things like that that are going on in the course of a game? Well, we just got to be a better team. Uh, be, you know, got to be better to, to win ball games. We wasn't tonight. We were here early in the year. Uh, we asked you about Brooks, and you said, Next you- question. Next question. Doesn't want to deal with it. Didn't, didn't want to deal with it. Uh, Dylan Brooks got the best of Jared Vanderbilt. You know, Vanderbilt gets ejected. This is what Dylan Brooks wants. You know, he flicks the back of Dylan Brooks's head as he walks away. He gets a technical foul. Second tech gets an ejection. Dylan Brooks is laughing. He walks to the other end of the court. This is exactly what Dylan Brooks wants. And, you know, unfortunately for the Lakers, um, you know, you've got this, you know, an effort issue and maybe a team that's moving in the wrong direction themselves. Does the NBA need the Warriors and Lakers to be good? for the basketball to matter because I'm, I'm looking at this year and I'm going, you know, we may have seen the sunset on not just the Warriors run, 
But, you know, even with the Lakers, you know, you look at where they are in the standings. You know, they're ninth. The Warriors are 12th. Yeah, I don't think they need to be elite, but I think that they would love to have them in the play-in tournament again, just like they did a couple of years ago, facing off um, between the Warriors and the Lakers. The Lakers ended up winning that game in L.A. I think that is what the NBA could dream of again if the Warriors could sneak in, somehow take on the Lakers, really um, you know, market that play-in game, because that, that would be a win for sure. But I don't think long run i think there's some good teams this season in big enough markets you look at boston you look at even the knicks like they're pretty good this season i think they're okay with the lakers and the warriors not being the lead this year but i think they would love it john play in tournament lakers warriors that would be must see tv scoot henderson and shaden sharp were announced as being part of the futures game and all-star weekend meanwhile you know blazers looking a little better Last night, 130-104, to 104, they beat Philadelphia. Scoot Henderson talking about what's changed. Punch it. I think that meeting we had uh, after we had lost to OKC, um, just seeing everybody's point of view, um, seeing how it's tougher to play defense without touching the ball five, five trips in a row, and I think everybody kind of understands that. So I think the more we get the ball popping, um, the easier it is for us to, to score and the easier it is for, for us to lock down teams. Blazers win total for the season. 28 and a half, 29 in some places. They finally are kind of reaching the halfway point. They're at 14 and 33. Albeit, it took them 47 games to get there. Do they get the over, Stephen? Are they a threat to win 29? Or is this just a team that is going to kind of muddle along and be happy to finish 14th or 15th in the uh, Western Conference. No, I, th- I think if you have the under, you're still feeling really good about yourself because there's going to be, you talked about the trade deadline, the Blazers are going to be looking to trade some players, and I think Malcolm Brogdon's going to be either looking to trade, and he's been one of their best players, if not their best player all season long. So I think the struggle at the start of the season really helped that under, and then they're going to be playing a lot more of the young guys in Shaden Sharp when he comes back and Scoot Henderson. Scoot played well last night, but he still has struggled on the season, so I still think it's going to be a struggle for the Blazers to get to that number. I think you're feeling good if you got the under uh, 28 and a half. Tom Brady talking about the comparison between he and Patrick Mahomes. Is he watching what Mahomes is doing, and what does he think about it? Punch it. There's nothing that Patrick can do, in my opinion, that takes away from what I tried to accomplish in my career, and there's nothing that I did can take away from what he's trying to accomplish I feel like I, all I tried to be was the best I could be. And I didn't, even though I had sporting idols, like I said, I could never be Steve Young. I could never be Joe Montana. Those are the guys, I, I could never be Dan Marino or John Elway. These were my childhood idols. And they had incredible careers. And, and they put as much as they could into their career, and I really respect them for that. And, and I just tried to do the same thing. And believe me, if anybody can go out there and win seven Super Bowls, I have so much respect for them. I understand how difficult it is. I will congratulate them, and I'm going to you know, give whatever it is a big hug. Yeah, look, Tom Brady is talking truth. I was thinking about Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. So much is made of the starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And it's a, and it's a quarterback-centric game. I get it. There's a lot of pressure on a quarterback to play well. What Kansas City does on the field relies almost exclusively on Patrick Mahomes making great decisions and great plays and being Patrick Mahomes. It's a different blueprint than what's going on on the other side of the field with the 49ers in this Super Bowl. I love Mahomes' game. I'm a little conflicted 
because I love watching him play so much because he's so creative. He does remind me a little of Steph Curry in an NFL sense in that we see him doing some things that are unorthodox, you know, in, in throwing passes and jump passes and shovel passes and, you know, running out of the pocket and stopping, throwing the ball. Behind, you know, he does, he just, he's a very creative player. But he's a, it's a different game that Brock Purdy's playing on the other side, who's more of a distributor. If we want to use the point guard as the uh, metaphor, he's, he's more of John Stockton than he is, you know, Steph Curry or that creativity. And, and so I think it's a very different equation. The calculus is different. I think the 49ers could win this game with Brock Purdy just being okay. Just, you know, an average game for Brock Purdy. The Niners could win. Pat, Patrick Mahomes needs to play a great game. And, and, I, and I think Chiefs fans know that. He needs to be like he was in the AFC title game. And if he is, it's going to be a hell of a game. Well, don't you think there's a chance if the 49ers win that Brock Purdy still doesn't get credit and it's going to be Kyle 100%. Shanahan? And then where if the, Chiefs, if the Chiefs win, it's going to be Mahomes no matter what. Mahomes going to have an average game. And they're going to be like, you look at Patrick Mahomes, such a leader. I think there's a real opportunity here for betters as well. Along those lines, usually you know when you look at the betting odds for who's going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl, the quarterbacks dominate that, right? You come in and it's the two starting quarterbacks. They're you know they're obvi- they're most often the odds-on favorite to be the MVP in the game. This might be the kind of game if you're betting on the Niners to win the game. This might be the kind of Super Bowl where you know you get Debo Samuel or George Kittle or you get uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, as a potential Super Bowl MVP. Keep an eye on that because I think there's um. There's an there's an opportunity there because I think the media and the public are skewed to looking at Brock Purdy and going, he was the last guy picked. How good can he be? Meanwhile, Richard Sherman saying, um, this is a seventh-round pick. Why are the expectations for Brock Purdy first-round expectations? Sherman thinks Purdy is going to lead the Niners to a win. Punch it. I think it will be different this time. I think, though You guys aren't giving him enough credit. This second-year quarterback out of Iowa State is one of those guys. Skip, he's a guy. And it's weird because if usually this underdog story is one that America loves, Skip. It's one that America cheers for, and they jump, get behind. But for some reason, we've found this underdog story to get first-round, number-one pick, Super Bowl champion expectations and standards, but – seventh round mystery relevant credit it's like hey it's a feel-good story when he wins but when he doesn't do well it's like well i mean you see you see i told you he can't he he isn't doing this well he isn't doing that well he was a he was a third string quarterback last year but i think he's going to be the difference in this game the plays that he makes with his legs the decisions that he makes there were plays that jimmy g in this game against the lions probably would have dirted the ball or put it out of bounds or, or just ate the ball because pressure got there and Brock Purdy was able to make those positive plays. Keep an eye on the odds on the MVP in the game. Patrick Mahomes right now the favorite at plus 120. Brock Purdy at plus 225. Christian McCaffrey almost 5-1 to one to be the Super Bowl MVP. If you're a Niner better, it's Purdy at like 2-1. to one. McCaffrey at 5-1. to one. Debo Samuel at 20-1. to one. George Kittle at 60-1. to one. Maybe there's not a bad bet in there that is that isn't named Brock Purdy. Coming up, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl. 
Stephen and I are going to talk about some of the interesting prop bets that are on the board. At 520, Ryan Gunderson, the offensive coordinator at Oregon State, will be joining us. Making a point. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.